Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Let's move over to Antarctica just for a moment. Okay. How did you get involved in that? Um, probably just my curiosity again. I, I re- like so many people in the country, I had to wonder back in 2016, why in the world were so many leaders that year going to Antarctica? And many of these guys were in their 70s and 80s, like uh, Buzz Aldrin and um, John Kerry. You know, why in the world were they going down to one of the most inhospitable places on the planet? Uh, I found that very odd. And that really is what caught my attention in a big way, and I began to, uh, you know, do a lot of investigating. Uh, it's kind of interesting that the head of the uh, Russian Orthodox Church went down there. And before he went, he had a meeting with, um, uh, the, you know, the regular pope mm-hmm. uh, in Cuba, and they met for about three hours. It was the first time they'd ever met, but they did have this meeting just before um, uh, the patriarch uh, left for the Antarctica. What was discussed? Why, why was that first meeting ever held? Uh, I found that all very mysterious. The other thing is, you see all these photos um, that people put on the Internet about the things that are being found in Antarctica. Uh, and there's so many people that get their kicks out of playing with Photoshop that I always try to figure out a way to, to um, authenticate, uh, authenticate what I'm seeing. And on any of the postings we've done with Antarctica, whenever possible, I give people the coordinates so that you can take them and use Google Earth and find them for yourselves. And um, um, we've found a number of entrances. These are not unique to me, but uh, the... Uh, well, now, what do you mean by entrances? Entrances into the interior of Antarctica. Under the ice? Um, you, you see them from the surface, and they go in beneath, you know, beneath uh, the ice, absolutely. Jeez. And they're not little. I mean, one of them, uh, and again, we have photos of this on our website, um, at the widest point is 900, I mean, it's 295 feet. To put that in perspective, a Boeing 747 is 196 feet. So that means there's about 50 feet on either side of the wingtips if it were to fly into this entrance. So it's not a tiny little thing. Uh, there's another entrance, um, and it has a dome over it. It looks like a metal awning. Um, and again, uh, because I want people to be able to find these things for themselves, um, if, you just, if they just type in Antarctica into our search bar, a whole list of things will come up so that you can find um, you know, these things for yourself. Um, on one of these situations, um, the, the, the two entrances I just mentioned, um, the day after we posted them, they were wiped off of, off of Google. And I found ways where I could still help people find it um, by just following the shapes on the, on, the, on the surface. But that indicated to me that there was still activity going on there that they didn't want people to see. And one of the um, places where you keep zooming in on where I was able to easily get to the entrance before, um, it, it just goes dark. But then I went deeper, and there is now a static photo there that you can finally get to, um, but you cannot see a, uh, anything that would be changing. So 
So I found that very, very interesting. Another thing that was found um, was a, an entrance, that, and there was a, a runway that seemed to be going right up to it. Now, what makes this unique or questionable is it is 215 miles away from any research facility in Antarctica. So here's this uh, big entrance into the interior with something that clearly looks like runway lights um, taking you up to this entrance. And it's another one, and I'll use an airplane as a comparison. Um, if you have an A320 Airbus, which has a wingspan of 117 feet, it could fit into this because it is, at the widest width, it's 149 feet. Um, but you can see it looks like runway lights. Um, and again, I provide the, um, the coordinates so people can go and find these things for themselves because I think that's so important. A late Navy insider, Bill Tompkins, uh, yes. died at the age of 94, but he was revealing incredible secrets You've had an opportunity to get some information about yeah, we, him, too. We've done a story on him. Um, it's um, under the... Ar it's, it, it, um, it says Antarctica and then reptilian aliens help the Nazis, and information about him is there. I find him the most credible person uh, to pay attention to. I know there's whistleblowers that are talking about things in Antarctica, but his reputation is impeccable. And he was involved in U.S. Navy intelligence back in World War II. He also worked at the highest levels of NASA, and he worked with Werner von Braun and the, the next man that was working with him all the time. In his book, he came out and talked about um, working with um, human-looking aliens at NASA and that these uh, human-looking alien, human aliens were very instrumental in uh, we humans developing um, our space equipment and space travel. Uh, and you tr you trusted Tompkins, I oh, think, I more so than anybody that you've interviewed or talked to. I absolutely think he is uh, absolutely worth worth considering. And right. he also talked about the Nazis and reptilians down yeah, in now the South Pole. Now, you hear those kind of stories, but when you hear them from a man like him, you really have to stand up and take notice and consider it might very, very well be true. And basically what he was saying was that the rip, um, well, let me back up a second. There, the biggest chain of volcanoes in the world, believe it or not, is under the western part of Antarctica. And in ancient times there were these huge um, uh, caverns and tunnels that were formed by the flowing lava. Mm -hmm. According to Tompkin, or I'll just call him Bill and make it easier, according to Bill, um, the reptilians long ago established the, an underground base there in those old volcanic um, uh, caverns. And they were teaming up with the Nazis, and the Nazis were teaming up with them even before World War II started. And they they were, um, I, it went back into the 30s when they were um, cooperating with them. And eventually, the reptilians gave um, the Nazis, I would say, like adjoining caverns that weren't as big, but they were certainly, you know, big enough for the job. And he gets into the really dark side of all this. We all uh, should know about... Um, the Holocaust in World War II and how the humans were treated and there was slave labor and all that. Um, 
the same thing was going on in these facilities in Antarctica where they were producing their space vehicles, and they were using human um, uh, slaves down there. Uh, these kind of operations are still going on. They are still producing things down there. But long ago, um, they were they were flying um, to the moon. And he said that some of the Navy spies that he knew um, said that they had also flown to the stars from Antarctica. Jeez. And that many of the UFOs that were seen um, and per- perhaps are still being seen are actually originating out of Antarctica. They somehow are able to just submerge and go through these uh, caverns, I think. Uh, even back in uh, the, you know, back during the Nazi wartime, uh, they had submarines that uh, they had that would go underneath the ice, and there's like an underground river beneath the ice. And so they would travel that way to get to these facilities. Do you think, Mary, that there are underwater cities there that have been covered up, uh, that there might be a huge UFO under there as well? Um, I certainly have seen uh, those kind of stories. I think they could very, very well be true. Um, From what I've been able to reason out is that either they expanded on these underwater uh, caverns. I don't think caverns. I don't think they just went down there, and for, from scratch started building things. Um, it's just like here in the mountains. We have underground facilities that I've written about in one of my books. I'm sure that some of that, at least, was started with the underground caverns that exist here in the mountains. It just makes it easier to get something started. What do you think all these scientists are doing there now? What are they doing? Um, I think the ones on the surface may actually be doing the things they say they are doing, which is like keeping tabs on uh, climate change and water changes and biology. I'm sure all of that uh, kind of thing is going on. Um, and whether to what extent those might be involved with what's going on beneath it, uh, I suspect that isn't, I can't, we can't assume there's a direct connection that way. Tell us about this 12-minute uh, overview. Uh, is it a video that you have available? Yeah, and, and uh, it, I think it's still on the homepage, uh, you know, listed uh, with the latest stories. And I think it's a wonderful thing for people to use to uh, kind of quickly catch up with some of the stuff that's going on down there. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't have the time, and most people don't have the time to sit and listen or watch uh, hours and hours of YouTube, and this one's about 12 minutes long. It does a nice summary of it. I only have one criticism of the production, and that is they have uh, voice uh, uh, overs with the photos or with the videos. Mm-hmm. I can recognize Linda Moulton Howe's voice. I can recognize, um, oh, there's, oh, I'm going blank on his name right now, but um, uh, I can recognize a couple of the voices, but they should be identified and that's regrettable. Sure, especially with their credibility, too. Uh, Yeah, and so I think that was a real shortcoming for the people who produced it, but what they've given fits everything that I think is worth considering, and uh, there's such a benefit to having a condensed version of it. So I would encourage people to take a look at it. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.